Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Bench Units. It is 2023, second attempt at a successful podcast this year. My name is Mark, and I am joined by the guy who tried to covertly baptize my daughter without my knowledge. James, how's it going, man? Uh, yes, not too bad. Let's see if this is a successful podcast. Also, I'm torn between giving context to that and just not bothering. But <laughs> yeah, because um, the context makes it seem weird by the time I get to the end of it as well. But yeah, we'll, we'll not bother. I just think it's funnier. Yep. So we tried to record. It went badly. Um, it actually went well. There was a I think there was about 40 minutes of good material, which we deliberately didn't prep for. We were like, let's just turn the mics on and see what happened. We turned the mics on too much. <laughs> and basically, we'll include a little clip of the audio, maybe, or we'll like release it separately on um, one of the Instagram posts. But yeah, I don't think anybody missed anything. I think it was mostly for our own amusement, as these things typically are. I think it all is at this point, but I also don't know if I'm even amused anymore. But, no, I'm joking. Uh, but yeah, so what happened was we were actually in the same room. So we got very excited about the idea. We both had our microphones. So still thought, no explanation as to why you had your microphone, considering you only came over here for camp. <laughs> well, no, I knew I was going to be with you for five days in between or four days in between. So I was like, hey, we should probably try and do a podcast. But I thought... We'll stick both microphones in, see if we see if we can get two inputs into this rather than just going over Zoom or kind of shouting into the one microphone. And we did. We managed to get it set up, but we didn't account for the fact that my voice apparently carries <laughs> miles at a time. So my microphone picked my voice up and your microphone picked your voice up and also mine up, which wouldn't have been an issue. But for some reason, there was a slight delay. So it's just there's like... I echo for the full podcast, yeah, which is everything. disappointing because I actually had a really nice time. Like we kind of ended up just reminiscing about the year in wheelchair basketball. We kind yeah, of went we, through. I mean, we could always post it with the disclaimer that the audio is not very good, but you, everything you said sounded like, you know, every, all the old U2 songs where it would be like, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's terrible. Like I don't want that. Like I don't want that out. I'm not saying that we're producing like, spotify level like audio fidelity on these podcasts but at least they're like understandable passable yeah but yeah and speaking of passable shall we get into this week's games yes just before we start did you have your first week of like oh there's like 11 games to watch i forgot what this was like yes (laughs) cool well germany was on last week wasn't it but it was like four games and yeah, we were, sorry if anyone wanted us to do that. We had just, I was coming, I was like moving back over to Spain or coming yeah. back over to Spain that weekend and was pretty busy. So we thought we would just start when everything starts back up. Yeah, I think. Usual we, apologies to Italy and France because we yeah. just don't care about that at all, apparently. They don't count. We what? The only way we could fit them in would be if like, you took two leagues and I took two leagues and then we briefed each other on them, but that also completely removes the element of conversation. And Yeah, that sounds awful. Hey, so do you get to see this? No. Did you see this? <laughs> no. Um, but anyway, talking about games that we have seen and other games that everyone's seen because this was the one that was on Spanish TV, Malaga 59, Mediba 56. Oh, man. Yeah, this, this was wild. 
yeah, this was pretty hectic. Um, just random, um, like anecdotal thing before we start talking about this. I was talking to someone about like we had just put this game on, and someone was like, "I don't know, like I feel Kyle hasn't. I feel like Kyle hasn't had like a big, like a big game this season yet. Like I feel like he hasn't." And he hits a three to win the game. I was like, <laughs> like I think he hit. Did he have two threes in the first quarter as well? And it was yeah. like, oh, yeah, okay. So the person who said it to me like immediately was like, ah, yes. Whoops. <laughs> this is um, on me. Yeah, I thought this was. I mean, Madiba are seemingly back to their um, troubles of players. They only brought five players to Malaga. Um, Obviously, main difference from early in the season is that one of the five guys they're rolling out is Jose Leap, who makes a lot more of a difference than some of the um, guys they had prior to that. But yeah, I thought this was, to say this was only 59-56, this is quite a low-scoring game for how topsy-turvy it felt. Um, and weirdly, I thought Malaga played up to the speed of Madiba more than I would have expected them to. Um, they were kind of, I think the first quarter especially was just a showcase of both teams cutting on each other and finishing. Yeah. Uh, which Madiba, that's kind of how they play in its entirety. It's not really been in Malaga's arsenal, but they obviously saw something they liked in the matchup here. Um, Malaga had just enough shooting to give them an extra element, I thought, but. Malaga look a little bit to say this is a three point win over a pretty scrappy team. I thought Malaga looked a bit vulnerable defensively, with particularly with the more mobile guys on the going after Abdi, um, which might be an issue for Malaga going forward. But they ultimately did enough to win the game. Saying with their offense sounds a bit generous, considering they it was in the fifties, but. Yeah, maybe not the most convincing Malaga game, but that's why Kyle's there, is he pulls you out of situations like this. Yeah, um, obviously, like the headlines, Kyle hit a big three to finish the game. Um, Maniba had the ball to to sort of get even, and Sandoval missed a pretty good look at a three, but that's kind of not his bag, obviously. Like, what's a good look from a guy who doesn't take that shot is kind of... I did think that, I did think that was actually probably Malaga's best defensive possession of the whole game. Obviously, they're gonna heave a shot up at that point, but I thought that was the best they'd done in the whole game at getting the ball out of Jose and John's hands when it mattered. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you're gonna probably like as you say, they're gonna get something up, but it's like a pretty well contested shot from their third choice three point yeah. shooter. Um, also, I just want to say the couple of possessions before that. Um, uh, Romero had a had two steals in like yeah. the like the last two and a half minutes, and one of them was that he was in the torture chamber that we've spoken about, which is like being on an island one on one against Jose Leap. And I thought like he kind of pushed towards him, and I thought he was gonna just like try and take a file, but he just like went through him and got all ball, and it was unbelievable. That, like, that was NBA guy slaps the floor kind of thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Because, like, I don't know, and there's a lot of people who've been in that, like, one-on-one, feel like you're a million miles from any of your teammates either side of you. Um, With a guy like that, he's so good at drawing files, and it's like, oh, God, please no. Um, But, yeah, he did a great job. And then, yeah, obviously, 
I thought shout to Kyle for finishing it out because that's a big shot, especially because he's like six from, I mean, five from 15 at that point, like not shooting brilliantly by his standards, but still, as you say, that's that's why he's there. Well, he's there because he lives there, but you know. (laughs) I don't think I've ever known anyone who shoots on each shot attempt, shoots like they have less idea of what their current stats might be than Kyle does. Like you, if you were to just watch one that shot in isolation, I would believe you. If you told me he would been like nine from ten or zero from ten from three prior to that, yeah. Well, that's why that's one of the reasons he's so good. It's just consistency, yeah. isn't it? Like it just looks the same all the time. Like, and it's the thing we the sort of weird um, sort of barometer we've made up of quality of shooting where it's like how many would he need to miss in a row before you think he'd make you before you'd think he'd miss the next one i think I'd, calling that a barometer is maybe slightly generous <laughs> i know that's what i mean it's 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 stupid but i think it's funny but like so i don't know he's he's gone five from 15 previously and i'm like no you don't want to give him that to end the game but yeah no, sure. unbelievable yeah. considering you didn't really get a whole lot. Like this was a low scoring game. Abdi was efficient, but low numbers. Everyone else was kind of like they shot forty one percent as a team. But yeah. um Esparza with twenty, and I thought he was his most focused he has been in terms of getting inside and finishing. Um Kozarinia as well came off the bench and he had twelve on ten shots. And I thought I would have thought Malaga would have tried to win this from outside because I think they sometimes fall victim to being like, hey, we've got enough guys who can shoot. But I think they were pretty focused on getting inside here. And they kind of maybe not beat Madiba at their own game, but at least matched them as much as is possible. Sure. Um, and yeah, on the um, on the Madiba side, the usual 17 from John Hernandez, 16 from Salvador, and then they got 12 from Joymar and 11 from Jose. I thought Joymar was actually pretty key, especially when they left Abdi on him as a lesser offensive threat. He kind of cut and got some post-ups and finishes and stuff, which is an element they haven't had in previous games. So I yeah. wonder if that's something they're going to try and use if now he's a rung down the pecking order. I wonder Yeah, if- earlier on he was early on in the game, he was pretty good. Like he's quite a big, quite a big guy for a two five, super strong. Um so yeah, he was cutting and finishing quite well. That was another thing. I was kind of like one of those you talk about a guy and then they have a great game as you're I wasn't like I wasn't talking to someone about it who was saying anything disparaging about him, but we were like, yeah, like he can be sort of anywhere from good to from all right to like not that involved in any given game. And I was like, is he gonna have twenty? What's going on? <laughs> but and then our theory was it's the gold wheels. Um but Oh yeah, the Colombian thing. Uh, I didn't know that was Colombian. I think there's a couple of Yanks that do it too. But there the, the was I can't remember which America's Cup it was, but I'm pretty sure there was a tournament a few years back where the whole Colombian men had gold wheels. Uh, you can only do that if you win it, is my theory. You right, should, we, should we move on? Yeah, if you have gold wheels at a tournament, you don't win. You have to paint them whatever color you've medal you've come home with. All right. Anyway, finish fourth or below. Uh, no wheels for you. No, I don't know. A color that isn't gold, silver, or bronze. All right. Next game. Uh, by the lead 66, Joventut 40. Yeah. This was lower scoring and slower than I thought it would be. I thought, 
they would kind of just run Jovantut off the floor, but I wonder if they kind of also thought they would and were just not at the races. Yeah, I think um, I think that was an element of it, but I I think they kind of this was very much them easing their way back into the second half of the season. One that I think had they had like a game under their belts coming into this one, they probably would have come out firing a little bit more. Um, I think they did try to run them off early doors because they went with the CJ starting lineup instead of Yelma. Uh, which is normally what they want to do when they want to pick the pace up and stuff. Um, and like Romo with 15, CJ with 18. So they kind of got what they needed from their guys. Uh, Lachlan Dalton's made his first appearance as well, which we presume yeah. might be happening. That's uh, the, that, that's the big news of this game, really. He's he's made it over and got playing and <laughs> looks good. Um, yeah. Not didn't didn't hit any game-winning was. threes, but you know... <laughs> Not a whole lot stats-wise, but he's obviously working his way into it. And, you know, he gives them the extra lineup option if they want to go kind of a bit bigger with two guards. Um, and I think, yeah, this was just, I mean, I don't really blame Vidalid for not showing up for the first game back and putting 100 on Jovantut. I think they were they were very aware of who they were playing in this one. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? The one thing we'd talked about with Lachlan Dalton before was, um, whether they can run three big him and a one, but that's entirely contingent on the, the junior point rule being for only Europeans. And therefore that's not something we're going to see. I know we'd spoken about that. That's that's a stupid line to draw around that rule. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if it's EU specific as well, not like continental. <laughs> I imagine it is. It's probably well. To be fair, like European labor laws imply that you can't discriminate on anyone from another country within the EU for something like that. So I wonder if it's an it's just an EU rule for that reason. Like I wonder yeah. if there's actual employment law involved. Yeah, pro- probably not. But, is this uh, the first and last time my law degree will ever come in handy in a wheelchair basketball world? Well, let's not get too far down this rabbit hole because I think we both know for a fact there are a bunch of clubs who have their players listed as like workers in factories, and that's how they get paid. So, <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not poke too much. Um, <laughs> God knows, um, um, it's really so- funny. Well, there's probably a load of players that have to go to like a doctor or whatever. And there's like, and what do you work as? And then we're like, okay, let me just remember. I know this. I know this. Like when you were trying to get somewhere with the fake ID when you were under 18. Yeah. And you were like, yeah, no, I promise my date of birth is. Um... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's skip over this one because we're getting ourselves in trouble here. And this game doesn't really feel worth the rabbit hole we might get down. No, uh, neither does this one. Um <laughs> um, yeah, Valbacetti, 73, Bilbao, 59. Um, Take yeah. it away. They, yeah, we kind of hung around for nine minutes in the first quarter. Um, nine and a half minutes, had like 30 seconds at the end of the first quarter. That we were minus five, so we went in down in the first quarter. Um, kind of fell apart in the second for a while and played them pretty even for the rest of the game, although the last quarter was pretty much mostly garbage time for like, well, six minutes of it, I would say. Okay. So, well, maybe less. I don't know. Depends what your 
Depends what yeah, your th- estimation of that is, but it was chaos. They, I don't know, there were times that I was like, oh, we're sticking with them, and the times that I was like, these guys are in second gear. Um, pretty hard to tell where we are based on something like that, but they are just quality top to bottom. Um, Phil was firing, Fifi was firing, Lee was great, and like everyone else kind of fills in around that, and does the job really well um, on our side of the ball. Papi scored pretty well. And we kind of struggled offensively apart from that. We got bits and pieces from everyone else, but like having a 28 point score and then your next being 11 and 10. Yeah, it's tough. Pretty tough. Um, I thought it was interesting. So Amiab started this game without Lee. Uh, so from their typical starting lineup, they'd taken Lee and Charlotte Moore out and put Ben Fox and Oscar and Rubia in. Um, I thought there f- there wasn't necessarily any. I mean, that's a good lineup, top to bottom. I thought their floor balance was a little bit weird when they played that. Um, it, they had some stuff where they were running like Phil and Filipski on the same side, and then it was like kind of imbalanced in the other three spots. But, um. Yeah, you guys were up 10-7 with about a minute and a half in the quarter and they brought Lee and Charlotte on and then it was 11-5 from that in like that last minute and a half and I think it kind of speaks to Lee's impact that of those 11 he only had two and I think all the other points were outside of a free throw. The other points were like uh, Filipski and Phil knocking down pretty open outside shots. So even though... They those shots are kind of there even without Lee in the game. I think it kind of demonstrates how much more open they are when he's on the floor because it's a distraction of you know what the defense has to focus on. And yeah. I think in terms of your guys' offense as well, it you kind of realize how much of a given the big to big passing is with Bilbao, like Asier's kind of slow jaunts and probes into the paint, and then the like late draw a defender, draw a defender and little dump off pass to like Manu, for example. And they're just not really there against Amiab. Like the big to big passing is not even in question against most teams. Yeah, the windows just aren't there against them. Like the sort of, all right, so I drive this way off a pick and I bring this defender this way so I can put the ball in this space that is three feet by three feet. Like that's like there, there is maybe space for a basketball in there if you put it in the right spot and also they're because they're all arms and hands and like that's a long team with very good hands top to bottom um yeah i actually think that like the acr offense i described plays into their hands a little bit because he, the passes are almost always when like one or both guys are stationary and then you're giving a team of that size the chance to collapse like two or three bigs around one guy and it's like I think it was maybe even the first possession of the game. Chema got like a seven foot post up inside the free throw line. And then instantly there was three guys back like around him on all sides. And it's like, yeah, this is going to be a long game, but you guys hung in there for stretches. I thought Papi read the game pretty well and got to his spots, but like you say, there wasn't really enough support. And I say that about us here's passing. He still had 13 assists. So what the hell do I know? Oh yeah, well he's going to get his assists no matter what. I wonder. Um, I don't know, obviously, but I it feels like we probably turn the ball over twice as much against 
any ab than we do against anyone else, but that's probably for most teams in the league. And the thing is then it's so hard to like, it's, I don't know, it's the idea of, heard, I've heard someone describe this in the able-bodied basketball podcast as like feedback loops where you get like poor quality, like you turn the ball over on offense and that immediately leads into it being way more way more difficult to stop them because you're running in transition rather than like you have to get back in half court and play five on five to have any chance of stopping these guys getting to the basket or getting a good open look for a good shooter. And it's just like their defense is so good that they just start in transition whenever they want. Like so it's just, and then they score on you. So then your offense is back to five on five and they're all set and there's yeah. like they're just a line of five quick long players that can get hands on passes uh again yeah. so it's just like like best start to your offense is good defense and vice versa and they don't let you get any of that stuff like you don't get any freebies yeah i i wonder if we're gonna see when it gets to say champions cup or you know if they end up against Illunion or whoever it might be with all things on the line I wonder if we're going to see a team that's like, hey, we're just going to post Charlotte up wherever she is, be it even if we only ever get a shot from 15 feet, we're just going to shoot these as opposed to trying to work our way inside against these guys. I mean, yeah, that's kind of on the that's kind of on the table for anyone technically. And I think the thing with that is, so you either say you pick any other team in the world, you say that's on the free throw line, you either live with it or you double and then someone's open, but they're so big. Say you send, I don't know, Phil's the next guy there. Say Phil goes and doubles onto it. The other three guys waiting are Lee, Alejandro and Fifi. So like those windows of a, like your four on three that you get from drawing a double is not as great an advantage as, but that is still as much of an advantage as you're going to create against them, maybe. So I don't know. We're gonna, like, we're going to have to see. Essentially, we're going to have to see if it's not dissimilar to like the peak Illunion days with the two Zazuela twins, where it's going to be like, okay, if someone's going to beat them, it's going to be because they shot 60% on like semi open shots from the elbow when they collapsed. And if I think I mean, I will live with anyone trying to beat them that way. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, they're just kind of, they're built to be able to deal with that stuff because they've got such good help. And, like, I don't know, Lee, Lee for example, is just masterful at playing two-on-ones, obviously, like, has been for a long time. I would so, be masterful at playing two-on-ones if I could reach out and touch both people. <laughs> yeah, if I were the size of two people, I yes. would also be able to defend. That's not true. There's a lot of, being massive helps, but, like, his positioning is just pretty elite at all times i think and i don't know once again maybe it would be easier if you were massive but there's a couple of other giants that aren't as effective so no definitely right shall we move on yes get me out of here (laughs) um sweet uh oh yeah so uh elunion scored a million points uh elunion 112 amphib 60 so i turned this on (laughs) with about five minutes to go when they were on 90. No, there was eight minutes to go. I remember that because I turned to someone on our team and I was like, eight minutes to go and they're on 90. All right, what are they going to get to? Because you do that thing where you go, a team's on 85 with however many minutes to go and you go, right, are they going to scrape it to 100? 
but it was like, well, yes, obviously, but um, uh, this one was, jeez, if you'd have told me early doors, if you'd have told me it's going to be thirty-two twenty-four after one quarter, I was like, eh, Vigo would probably like giving up thirty-two is obviously not a great sign, but if you'd have told me that was going to be it, I think I would have said Vigo would take that and see if they can keep that pace up. Yeah. Um, if you'd have told me Vigo had finished the game with 60, you would have been closer at convincing me that this was a single digit margin of victory than you would have, that they came within a handful of points of being doubled up because this was, I didn't see this score until after the game had finished, but I like watched the first quarter and then, I was like, well, this seems like Vigo within reach, at least. And then I think the first two minutes of the second quarter was Greg gets a layup off like a sideline play, gets a fast break layup where he, the ball went through Augustine Alejos's hands and into Greg's, and he finished a fast break layup. Um, yeah. And then he like stole the inbound pass, fed it to Amadou, got two out of that, and then they stole the next inbound pass as well. I was like, okay, this is over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is this got out of hand real quick. There's that it's thing of like eighteen to sorry, it's gone from an eight point deficit to sixteen, and the ball's not even left like this half of the court. Ninety. <laughs> like yeah. You're just playing like make it take it all of a sudden, like yeah. Um, but it's I don't know. There was. Um, it was weird because I think when you're punching up against a team like that, as long as you hang on and you're within touching distance, you're like, oh God, is this going to last? And then there's that real like deflating moment where they go on a run and you're kind of like, well, they're, I, I was expecting that, which is weird and maybe not the psychology of an elite athlete. But like anytime we're playing a team that's better than us, like if we're hanging on, I'm like, oh, we're still in this. I wonder when the run's coming. You're kind of like dreading it. You're kind of like, oh, it's going to happen at some point, is it? If we can just hold on, the later this game gets, the less likely that they have a big run. Um, it's but... like my theory that if you're trying to pull an upset, you should never get close enough to make the opposing coach call a timeout. You should always you just... Be, seven. <laughs> yeah, just be behind enough that he's like, no, we're probably fine. Yeah, and also don't score six points in a row. Just like four to four to four to <laughs> just keep chipping away. But now that Greg and uh, line set that I don't even know if it was like something that was set up, but like he got jumped without the ball. He ran a pick and roll that sent him up the floor. He came around another pick with Hasso, and then you've just got two bigs firing towards the basket, which is enough to worry about. You've got Terry on the other side of the floor, and. Greg just gets a layup out of it. Like, I don't think you get a layup out of it with good teams, but there's, if that's something that they can turn into like a set. Um, well, we've just given the secrets away now. Be a good team and they won't get that. Um, I know, but also the secret, like the secrets on the other side of the floor is like three, like two giants, best two, yeah. and like best shooter of all time on the weak side wing behind a good screen from a good one like i think it was uh, actually bill who was on the weak side so you're calling bill the best shooter of all time ah uh, i i was mistaken bill is great but i i i meant terry i was i was wrong yeah I mean, um this was weird because of- i kind of was like for they were going the lineup that they usually run with three fours um well four five two four uh Greg and okay. Pablo, but they were playing to points rather than Pablo with his junior point, I assume, with a view to Champions Cup. And then at one point they just went, ah, why not? Four big <laughs> Pablo and just 
ran it into the ground. Yeah. Uh, everyone shot well. They shot 70%. A lot of it was at the basket. And I think yeah, that not much you can do when there's an avalanche coming that way. Like, what are you going to do? Score 113? <laughs> yeah. The real statistical anomaly of this is that Illunion got to 112 and didn't have a single guy crack 20 points, which I thought was a bit nuts. That's uh, hilarious. So they had 19, 19, 18, 18, 12, 12. Jesus. Sexes and twos, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought, I, I was a little bit surprised this happened this week, um, just because I would have thought Illunion were prime candidates for the kind of game we saw Vidalid roll out, where you know, we'll show up we know we're better than this team, we'll get it done and we'll like, ease our way into the season. I don't know if that would have been more or less likely if they'd have played each other once the season was kind of back underway a little bit, but or was this Illunion kind of making a point of coming out with a bang? But either way, this was, you know, this was exactly, I don't think we were massively convinced by Illunion for most of the first half of the season. So if they're showing that they're going to come out with this level of focus in a game they almost didn't need it, then it's probably a good sign. Yeah, it's it's good to be able to do that stuff, I guess. Um, it's the weird thing of someone spoke to me about playing teams that you should beat uh, previously and the way they described it, I always thought was interesting because it was like, hey, if you play a game like Vigo and you only beat them by 10, you almost get criticized. If you lose, you definitely get criticized. And if you beat them by as many, like as 30 or 40, someone just goes, yeah, well, you're meant to do that. But yes. you kind of like, it's all well and good until you like alluding in the last handful of years, haven't come close to winning a league because they've dropped random games. Yeah. So this isn't a game they were going to drop, but you know, got to yeah. take care of these things. It's funny I say you got to take care of these things, and I'm wondering have I literally like said the opposite about another team in the last 30 minutes? But no, this is. I mean, this strikes me as from Vigo's standpoint. There's certain games where I think you can kind of sense when the other team has it. Like to your point about the runs and whatever. I think when you're Vigo and Illunion are shooting the percentage that they did. I mean, they, they were 70 percent as a team. We should point out, but um, yeah. I already have. <laughs> um, I think um, you kind of just get a sense when you're the undermanned team here. You're kind of like, yeah, okay. There is, you know, fighting spirit and all that. There is realistically no amount of X's and O's we can put on a board here that will make this be any different. Like, I think there are just certain games like that where the certain games where one team has it going, the certain games where one team really doesn't have it going. And I don't even think that was the case for Vigo here. I think they were perfectly okay. Yeah, and they turned the ball over 20 times, but like they probably turned the ball over five times in one play. <laughs> Vigo, also, Vigo also got 26 free throws to 10 for Illunion, which is a little bit of a weird stat in such a one-sided loss. But yeah, yeah. Man, there, were, there was nothing Vigo could have put on the board that would have made this different. This was just Illunion at full potential, I think. Yeah, the only thing is, like, and a lot of it is in transition, but, like, you can say, wow, they shot 70%, but they also shot a lot of layups, and you should be shooting higher percentage on that stuff. And I don't, that's not me being like, all agents should be doing that. That uh, What I mean is just shrugging and going, hey, if they shoot 70%, what are you going to do? It's like, hey, maybe give them shots that they'll shoot <laughs> less than 70%. That is 
Like, at what point do you just pack the paint? You still lose by 60, but um, at what point do you pack the paint um, and stop giving layups up? But it's harder said than done because a lot of it was in transition and stuff. And sure. we've just come from talking about a game that I played in that we got beaten up inside. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Congrats, yeah. Alunion. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I can't believe your scoreboard goes to 112. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How many times do you think Terry's seen 112 in that scoreboard? Maybe. Probably 112 is as high as I remember in any. I think didn't Thuringen have one a couple of years ago where they were like 136 or something stupid? Something um, daft, like 40 minute layup line numbers. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I think 112 is about as high as I've seen outside of that one that I remember. Yeah, that was that was daft. But yeah, all right, cool. Uh, last one of the week in Spain. Iconi Gran Canaria, 77. Uh, Ferrol, 47. Yeah, this was absolutely run-of-the-mill. Um, yeah. Somewhat <laughs> emblematic that Alexi Ramonet had exactly 30, which was exactly the difference in the game because you only had to watch this for the opening five minutes to establish that nobody on Ferrol could guard him. Nope. So, yeah, doing the maths, everybody could guard everybody else to the tune of 47 points and an exact tie, and then he would drop 30 on top of that. Ah, uh, yes, that's how it all works, isn't it? That's, that's how the numbers work. Precisely how it goes. Um, yeah, this was just... Grand Canaria can play at a pace that Ferrol can't. Yeah. And Ramonet took full advantage of that as he... He never lets anybody off the hook if there's like even a sniff of a transition layup. I mean, there's plenty of guys like Adolfo Badoon can get a transition, like a breakaway layup when he just sneaks off. But like he definitely could do it more and just likes to feel his way into it. Whereas Ramonet's like, what's that? Two feet of space that no one can catch me. See you later. Yeah, he just accelerates so quickly. And there's no like, I don't think I've ever seen him being like, I've never seen him on his way to a fast break layup with a pass going overhead. And I've never seen him like see a pass go a bit too far and be like, ah, no, sorry, good <laughs> effort. You know that thing where you kind of, you're like, if I took like the hardest push ever, I might be able to get on the end of this, but I'm just going to like turn around and sort of stick my thumb up to the person who passed it to be like, ah, good <laughs> effort. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, has never done that in his life. Like the bat, the pass could bounce in the charge circle and he'd probably be able to like flick his hips and get a layup. I think that's the thing as well, isn't it? Like, I feel like he can stop just, like he can yeah. bounce stop without bouncing or touching his wheels. <laughs> did you did you guys play them? Was it the last game pre Christmas? Yes. Um, and he picked that pass up from like inside the. Oh, sorry, it was a loose ball, wasn't it? That he chased full court and picked up inside the key. I was like, if, even as a four pointer, if most people had tried that, they would have probably broken their neck to <laughs> pick the ball yeah. up. Yeah, your chair or your neck is is yeah. in trouble from doing that. But yeah, this was. I always think like quick teams. Quick teams are just primed to smash bad teams, obviously. Like, just, yeah. okay, off you go, run away, lay up, 30 I, points. I still find that, even though we talk about these games week after week, I still find it fascinating that it's... I mean, to say we're reductive in being like, yeah, this team made shots, and we like laugh about that. I find it mad that we can talk about a 30-point game, and it's like, what was the primary difference here? And it's like, this guy's two pushes are faster than anyone on that team. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the... When we played basketball, like with or against each other, when we were kids, and it was like the best players in the world in our mind, in our minds, were the guys that could ju- would just make like fast break layups 
yeah, for yeah. entire like under 15s games yeah. <laughs> but this is in best or second yeah. best league in the world against grown adults um yeah, should we run down the rest of the stats yeah let's do it all right uh ramane with 30 obviously um salazar with 17 and also 21 rebounds yeah <laughs> big numbers well, do you want to do a nobody cares about rebounds line again? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I've come full circle on that. I think they're impo- they're important at some point. Uh, there are important rebounds, and there are rebounds that drop on your lap. Um, <laughs> uh, Luigi with ba, 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 eighteen, uh, eight and six, uh, and then sort of handfuls, fours and sixes for everyone yeah. else. Other side of the ball, Carl Schultz sixteen. Um, Lorenzo and Bo, uh, bu- 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 13, and Pedro Paz with 16. Yeah, not a not a whole lot for Feralda, but shooting 77% is gonna get it done. Yeah, and it's not because you shot 77%, it's because the shots that you got were good looks. <laughs> yeah. Right, should we head to Germany? Uh, yes, should we make a joke about us physically going? No. We- we don't do that every week. No. Uh, All right. Good. Okay. First game, we'll tie this in with bench units. New Year's resolution, where if your stats aren't up, your game doesn't get covered. Um, Is that our New Year's resolution? That's mine, at least. You can okay. cover. You can cover Skywheelers and clone 99 as if you want very briefly the live stream is worth clicking on except sport deutschland is terrible um so it's not even the stats aren't up on the streams on a website i don't like uh but pretty good game uh ended up being like a one possession i don't remember did it finish on because there were free throws after i finished like when that game goes to free throws i'm like yeah whatever but was it three in the end i forget it was 60 to 58 in the end um, yeah, um, Shabo with Shabo with a game-winning shot that he missed like three seconds earlier and got the rebound from. It took a shot that, like, right wing, and it was maybe several feet off. Um, the rebound managed to make its way back to him, and he just took the same shot again and made it, which I respect the hell out of. Well, he got his eye in. Um, yeah, I actually don't mind that. Like, I was, I think with. In this very specific situation, there might be different things to come into account, but say middle of the second quarter, you shoot the shot that you feel pretty good about, it hits off the front or the back of the ring or the front of the ring and comes right back to you and you have a 14 second shot clock reset, reset like, eh, if yeah. you're still open, it's it's probably still a good look in your head. <laughs> and you've got a bit more feedback based on your previous attempt. Yeah. Um I don't I don't actually hate it. If you've if you've missed six of them, maybe do something different, but <laughs> But yeah, this was, I mean, this was 57, um, 52 for Cologne with about three and a bit minutes left. And the end passage of the game was pretty ugly. It was like a turnover on a dump down pass for Cologne, then a three second call. Skywheelers missed a layup. Um, Shabo missed a layup where he got very lightly fouled and then he made one of two free throws. He made, I think at that point, Skywheelers had got it back to one, maybe. And then Shabo made his shot, but Mustafa missed two free throws, and Skywheelers ended up getting a semi-open kind of get it up the court and shoot a three to win the game at the buzzer. And um, one of the Diedrich brothers missed it. So it was pretty hectic. Um, 
very small Skywheelers detail I've missed throughout this season and only just spotted in this game is when they have their surnames on their back, it's written in like the actual Skywheelers logo font. So everybody's surname looks like a logo, which is pretty cool. That is pretty um, cool. Um, pretty good, pretty good, uh, pretty good branding from that team, yeah. I think. We should do like a wheelchair basketball, like team logos or team branding or team jersey ranking at some point because there's some really cool stuff and there's some absolute like crap in yeah. both in both the leagues we talk about regularly. But Skywheelers going sort of power aside like Diedrich Twins and Kate Lang on the three, like in a three-man game um, and Dremeler behind a one-point screen was they kind of did that for a large part of the game which yeah was... they, they did and then Nico Dreimler didn't get a shot in the last five minutes of the game and it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> what's going on here um, yeah, and it's like I understand being like alright let's go into par and get some good looks but like having a pretty good two that people jump all the time um, is, is probably fine if you want to yeah. if you want to spread your resources out a little bit more you're kind of just you're placing a bet there, aren't you? Where you're going, all right, we're going to really load the floor up this side. And we like, but you kind of have to get something from that side or you have to draw, you have to either score for those three or draw so much help that you get a really good look out of kicking yeah. to the weak side then. And yeah, also before Cologne won the game, I was going to come on here and be like, this is a lot of high pick and roll Cologne. That is a lot of high pick and roll, but the Mustafa formula, isn't it? Send somebody up to pick and he'll fly off it at top speed and see what happens. Yeah. Um, I, they won the game, so I guess we can say it worked, even though we're not sure it did because we don't have stats. Yeah. But, Shall we move on? Yeah, I love being like they won and therefore it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, next one, uh, Munsterland 68, Rhino of Rhinos 79. So this was... Strangely, one of the games I was most looking forward to, and it kind of delivered. And my the first thing I want to say is like great game from the Rhyme of Rhinos ones. Yeah, unbelievable yeah. stuff. Um, Jim was great because we we love Jim, and um, Chris Huber finished off really well. He had some mad like one hand catch off a dump down a little floater as the yeah, yeah second or third biggest team in Germany was just closing in on him. That's that's the thing. Like they managed to sort of go inside quite well against a team of giants. Yeah, I thought I mean the the kind of pretext to this game was Munsterland have been hanging around fourth place, which I think anyone would have earmarked the top four in Germany as Landil, Thuringen Hanover and Rhine River Rhinos in some order. Munsterland beat Rhine River Rhinos earlier in the season. Um, yeah, and therefore this game was pretty important in terms of you know potential final standings. I think winning by eleven, Ryan River Rhinos have got the points difference, but they also lost a game to Cologne where Munsterland have beaten Cologne twice. So yes, there's potentially still some uh, final standings hijinks that this game hasn't shone all the light on just yet. But I think you could really tell early days in the game that Munsterland and Wiesbaden both really understood the magnitude of this one. This wasn't like a a roll it out and play kind of thing, um, yeah. which is why I think Jim was open so much. So I think Munsterland took it upon themselves to like really take away uh, Ryan Riverana's usual shooting threats. And Jim got left open three or four times in the first quarter. And he, 
the shots he was making weren't like dump downs to the one. They were like big end of shot clock kind of wing shots. And he made, I think, four of them in the first quarter. Um, and yeah, I thought to say Wiesbaden have been a little bit streaky all year, I thought they came out and executed really well, uh, especially Heiss Evan getting inside pretty reliably, um, which might have been to do with like the extra pressure on the shooters and stuff. But Aaron Young didn't really come to the party for Ryan River Rhinos until third quarter onwards. So I think Munsland must have felt like they were in on it, but I don't think they've got the firepower, especially in a a not so great Zoran Muller shooting game. They don't really have the firepower to close the gap on a team like this. That was my take on it anyway. Yeah. Um yeah, I think talking about the magnitude of this game, I think the thing for Ryan with Rhinos is they're probably expected so they're sitting fourth right now they probably expected playing up a spot to third to be the big game for them but that kind of hasn't materialized so now like fourth or fifth was the fight they were in rather than fourth or third which i'm sure they were disappointed about obviously mixed in with all of the turkish guys that were meant to be coming and now either haven't come yet or aren't coming or i don't know someone tell me what's happening with that but yeah i think yeah, as I said, the thing that just I'm just so impressed with Jim being the absolute man because I just yeah. think Jim is the man. But yeah, like kind of I was I was really surprised at how well Rhinos went inside, whether that was um obviously um I've talked about Hoover finishing, but as you said, like high saving getting inside, finishing off. Um, but then that kind of I don't know. I don't. But I think there's, there's a weird one where I kind of, if you'd asked me before the season, I would have said Ryan River Rhinos were at least this much better than Munsterland. Yeah. And that hasn't been the case so far this year. But, but, it, might be. It, but it it is now. Yeah. So for some reason in my brain, I'm just like, well, yeah, like <laughs> you're, that's how this game is meant to go. But um, yeah, I, I think, think Rhinos kind of did quite. Well, well, Lucas Warburton specifically going between their usual starters where they go um, with 1-1 on the floor and they go Chase Wolf, Aaron Young, Ice, uh, Lou Hardwell, and then they kind of rotated and they got 20-something minutes out of two ones on the floor, um, which I thought was... Yeah, I thought I, I just thought like they kind of picked their moments pretty well for that stuff because yeah. there is always a weird thing of like, okay, we're playing a team that is very much, okay, we're big and we yeah. have four giants and one one on the floor. And it's do you match up or do you go in the opposite direction? And whether it was just completely random or not, I feel like he kind of picked his moments. But you can you could probably say that when everyone plays quite well, like your moments are not that hard to choose when everyone you put on the floor does quite well. Exactly. But yeah, like yeah, they shot 55%. Um, yeah. Everyone kind of got going in the end. Their least efficient scorer was Aaron Young, who was a three-pointer <laughs> away from being 50%. Like Who was also their top scorer. Um, oh, wait, no, Moji Kamali was four from nine. Never mind. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I thought as well as that, they did a really, especially early in the game, they did a good job of taking Matthias Bellas out of it because 
I think there was a handful of possessions early doors where Munsterland were like, hey, we're just going to get down the floor and someone will be bigger than somebody else. Yeah. Um, I One think I- out of it for most of the first half, he made his way up to 20, but I think a lot of that was kind of on a late run when both teams were rotating and seeing what was what. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know, man, I thought this was the most... This was the most it's felt like Ryan Riveranos have shown up to win a game, like losing to Munsterland, losing to Cologne, and then, like you said, that three versus four kind of idea with them and Hamburg, they were kind of hanging around in that one, and then Hamburg took it away from them. And this one felt like season on the line is maybe a bit drastic, but if you showed anyone this game devoid of context and was like, hey, how important is this game to this team? Like you would only get one answer. Yeah. Um, one random thing is like, I feel like Munsterland are able to get inside when it's like transition or one-on-one cuts or whatever. But there was a lot of times where they'd like, they'll have a pick and roll on the wing and they'd go ball to the wing, jump, pick, they'd come off it. And then it wouldn't be like, can I come off this and get inside or can I come off this and draw help and kick to a shooter? But it'd be like, come off the pick and roll. Defense recovers immediately. Okay, back to a post up. Like, and you're kind of just back to, yeah, the did. shot that you have constantly. Like, it's as if they're going to come down the floor as like just in five and just sit around the key and see who has the biggest height advantage. And like having that in the back pocket is fine, but being able to create something better than that in in the half court five on five before you go to that. Sure. is not yeah. something that they have been great at. And I don't know, there were just a lot of, I don't know, like I watch, when I watch teams play, I watch and as soon as they create something, I, okay, there's the advantage and the window's closed. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of like come off, pick and roll. Okay. Right. Nothing. Okay. Who's got Jim on their foot plate, no matter where it was. And that's like a, I don't know, you run your offense 15 seconds in as if you're 22 seconds in sometimes. Um, but yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Okay, should we shift on to a somewhat surprising result? Sure. Okay, so uh, Trier Dolphins, 73, Landil, 81. And this was with Landil winning the fourth quarter by eight points, so this was tied after three quarters. Yeah, this was... I don't know, it was weird, because I feel like Landil kind of struggled to get going in the first quarter, then they went... Um, so they started Simon, Rose, Tommy, Quinton, uh, Matthias. Um, I'm using first names. I already know half of these people. Like, I, <laughs> I, like, I don't, I don't, you know what I mean? That's probably not what we should be doing here. But then they went um, Katarina Weiss and Ryo Fujimoto in, went four big and uh, Kata Weiss for a stretch and kind of got themselves going and, so they won the game by eight and they got up. Once they got up eight, I wondered if this was the sort of game where they go, okay, we've got them at arm's length and you just, you're up 10 to 12 points for 30 minutes. But no, I was wrong. I was very wrong. This was, I know he does this every game, but this was like a hilarious Dirk Paswan. Oh, there's a bit of daylight. This is going up game because it has to be because Landil are, so so good at making sure they have a footplate on his chair at all or a chair on his footplate at all yeah. times. Um so it was just so funny. Like the shots that he takes. Like I think he's I don't know, have you ever heard like the original thought theory? 
Yes. Yeah, it's for anyone who doesn't know, it's like the idea that even if you, well, no matter what you think, like it's not original. Someone has thought that before. I would say there are spots on the floor of a wheelchair basketball court that Dirk Passavant has shot the ball in that no one else has ever <laughs> shot the ball in. You know what I mean? Like people kind of, and I know it's obviously within reason, but people kind of, you're taught like, okay, so you set your chair up here on the wing at 45 degrees and then you dribble to the baseline or you dribble to the elbow or whatever. But he's got so like, he gets so much heat defensively that he's just like, okay, a millimeter inside the three point line, just above the elbow. Cool. Got you. With, with um, two people pushing out at me, but not quite here yet. So yeah. it's, it's just the like, Oh, well I better get rid of this. Um, yeah. But like, I mean, one of the quickest and most like most sort of talented scorers, in the world still yeah. um so why not but as i say the big thing is like landill are still so good at just like at any given point i would if i could shoot the ball like him too i would also be letting it fly if i could get a break from either simon brown or tommy yeah. burma or quentin zandiga like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i think um i mean it was interesting I, it got to eight on a couple of occasions and I think Landell pushed it out to eight by kind of mid third quarter um, and I was like oh, maybe this is over but Passavan hit one I think he hit Corey Rossi for a dot down for a dump down and then the the Dutch guy Walter Vlanderen mm-hmm. had like a made layup slash post up and then I think he got two free throws but only made one and I think it was at three at that point. And I was like, uh, here we go. And then Tommy hit a three and like a driving floater. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is probably it. Uh, Passavan fouled out with just under two minutes left. I think one of them is offensive foul was his last one, which yeah. was a bit like, come on, man, let it go. Uh, it was like an offensive foul in the backcourt as well, just on an inbound pass. So that wasn't particularly cool, but. I love I mean, that you're saying letting it let it go. Imagine if the ref was like, ah, I don't know, I'm gonna ruin the vibes if I call this. <laughs> Landale would be slightly upset. Um Yeah. Um no, I mean you don't see a lot of because it was just him freeing himself up to receive the ball, right? It wasn't I think you see offensive fouls on back picks more than anything else in the backcourt. Um so I thought it was a slightly weird one to break out that particular call at that point, but I find it hard to say Trier would have pulled off the upset because Landil had kind of edged away from them throughout the game. But I thought this was pretty cool in terms of Trier and Vlander in particular is not the best known guy in the world and isn't hasn't been massively consistent this year, but he hit some huge shots, man. And I think Trier again proved to have just about enough to hang with anybody. They just seem to never quite steal these games they set themselves up to steal. Yeah, it's pretty hard to sustain that stuff. And obviously, like, you're sort of being run and coached on the floor and all your offense is being generated by one guy who is obviously not the youngest and also fouls out, like, um, with two minutes to go. Like, as I said, I don't think they would have been in the game, but I just, like watching him and Tommy just go back and forward and take mad ones. Like there was a point, I think it was like first couple of possessions of the game where it was like Tommy transition three, um, weird pass one runner when he can like see the basket, Tommy three. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be nuts. But <laughs> um, Landil went, well, they started obviously Simon Brown, Matthias Gunter, Quinton Zantinga, Tommy Boma, Rose Hollerman, full names. Yeah. 
um, full government names. Uh, I don't know. If no, that's true. no Yannick Blair for this game either. For whatever. No. Yeah. So I wonder, like, they ran that lineup at the start, and it was doing okay and then as I say they broke the game open going four big and then they went back to this lineup to try and finish it out and I wonder if it was like a no 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 we will get this lineup to work obviously that's just a good lineup full full stop it's full of absolute killers and world championship and Paralympic medalists and Champions Cup winners and whatever like it's you know what I mean? That I'm not being like they were trying this weird lineup like that lineup is great but they give it a chance but yeah, it was interesting that they went back to it to close the game out. But I suppose it's cool to like, it's cool for it's cool for them to have more minutes and that five and yeah, I don't know. Cool. Shall we move this on? This was cool for a very long time, and then just kind of Landell are the better team and closed it out. Yeah, as should happen. Talking about teams that are better than other teams, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the most big. Vague segues so that they can't possibly be incorrect. And talking about basketball. Yes. Um, and talking, uh, 96 <laughs> Thuringen Bulls, uh, 50 Baskets Hamburg. Yeah. This one was probably in the running for biggest non event of the week. Um, this was just. I mean, the biggest surprise coming out of this game, honestly, is that Thuringham fell short of 100. Because this is typically their um, stomping grounds where they put 100 points up. But yeah, they're still without Yitzka. Um, They obviously have Marie Kier playing that exact role. But I think when you see games like this from Thuringham and it's guys like Jens Albrecht and Ari Twig putting up 16 and 13 kind of teens points wise you know maybe they're not going full foot on the gas because like Haluski and Vahid could get inside against Hamburg literally every possession if they wanted to those guys only played low 20s of minutes I was just about to ask you who played the most minutes um, <laughs> but yeah you've already seen it uh, um, so yeah this was just throwing and getting back to doing what they do um Hamburg side, 17 from Amadou Trao and 16 from Kaimola, but nothing like the depth they would need to battle the Thuringen stats. And yeah, this was exactly how this game was supposed to go, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, like if you just look at, like even Thuringen were just running in layups for most of the game. They managed, Like they didn't start Jordi. Um yeah. I don't know. I feel like not starting your usual starters is like, yeah, we'll be fine. We'll figure it out. But yeah, fifty-eight points in the paint. Yeah, everyone got going. No one played more than twenty-five minutes and one second. And why are they putting Lyndon out there for the longest amount of time? And he's like definitely the oldest guy on this team. <laughs> like, yep, yeah. well, you, you'll be fine. He will be fine. It was a nice little twenty-five minutes. Like he's chilling. I assume. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know, like, the most minutes is still fine when it's only 25. And also, at some point, you need, like, someone who is a 2-5 or below on the floor. (laughs) But, yeah. Fair enough. Okay, should we do the last one of the week? Uh, Yes. Uh, Hot Rolling Bears, 38. Greatest team name of all time. Hanover United, 66. Yeah. This was... Uh Also, closer than I thought it would be because SNR 
probably the worst team in either of the two leagues we talk about. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty close between the bottom teams in each league, I would say. But yeah, I think this was um, Hanover didn't have Tom McHugh for this game for whatever reason. There seems to be a couple of Aussies who aren't back yet. Um, I don't know if it's just like a travel thing or whatever, but yeah, literally there are only probably, I wonder if it's like, Hey, there are two flights a week from here to there. Um, Um, So yeah, I think Hanover kind of came out here and I mean, this game was playing on, this game was played on the Sunday. And I think I saw on one of the players that's from account, they were doing like an inter squad scrimmage on the Saturday. So I dare say they weren't, all fully resting up, ready to come out guns blazing for this one. Um, maybe they thought they were getting more out of their like focused team time or whatever, but yeah, this was just them having the Sunday game and coming in and taking care of business. And, you know, Essen only scored six and five points in two out of the four quarters. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was, this was very much Hamburg, not Hamburg, Sorry, uh, Hanover doing what they had to do to take care of business and not a whole lot more. This was like an NBA mid-season in January game. <laughs> like, hey, we'll turn it up in the fourth quarter if we still have to by then. Yeah, and they did not. Um, yeah, very little to talk about here. Um, Sean Norris top scoring with 21. Heard of him? Uh- <laughs> yeah, Jan Gans with 12, man. He doesn't normally get... He got 16 shots up as well. He was second on the team in shot attempts. He was definitely like, hey, that Tom McHugh guy doesn't seem to have missed all season. I best get my shots up while he's not here. I like it. Um, yeah, very little to very little to take from this game. But yeah, on that note, that wraps up this week's worth of games. Do we want to do the belt? Um, yes. Uh, I will put forward a candidate and you can put forward a candidate if you want. Away you go. Uh, Kyle Marsh hit a three to win a game. You probably get there, thereabouts, even if you're six from 16 for the rest of the game. I think uh, I, I think I'm going to have you conflicted now because I was going to go slightly more niche and offer it to Jim Palmer with my vote. Ooh, that's interesting. Also, there's a weird one where I feel like um, like a couple of the Amiab guys could have gotten it. And if we don't give it to them, I feel like it feels like I'm being a sore loser. <laughs> ah, there's been plenty of Amiab belts given out. Yeah, um, no, I'll leave the I'll leave the final choice with you. You can have Kyle for hitting the winner or Jim for showing Munsterland wise to not disrespect him. Um hmm. I don't know. Jim does have Instagram. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I love the transparency here. Jim Palmer, congratulations. Yep. Best game he's had all season. Uh, I think so, shooting-wise. I think Yannick has had it last as well, so it'd be cool for it to go one-to-one. Yeah, I like it. I rate right. that. Um, also, Mark, have you ever, without naming any names, have you ever gotten a message from someone about not getting it? Not on our Instagram, because I know we've both seen those, but have you ever heard from someone to be like, hey, why did I or why did this person not get the belt? Yeah, Ben Fox. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, I did not... Wow, I think two weekends in a row, and to be one fair, of them, he did shoot a hundred percent. To be fair, one of the games he was eight from eight, but it was like Amiab against I don't know. Um, no, it wasn't someone terrible. It was someone fine, I think. Um, I don't I remember. Um, 
I, yeah. Actually, I didn't set this wasn't me setting you up to name a name. This was actually me asking you because I just always think it's funny because I'm like, hey, this isn't real. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the only one I remember. I'm sure, I think we've definitely had ones to the account before, like when we've posted the and it goes to this person. We've had like a fair few messages being like, what? But, and you're like, oh yeah, oh, other people also played well. That's fine. We should just be like, other be- other belt candidates are also available. <laughs> also, yeah. also receiving theoretical votes. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, All right. Should we yeah. get out of here? Shout out to Jim. And yeah, let's leave it there. Cool. 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 Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for being back with us. And happy New Year. Talk yep. to you soon. Peace. All right. Let's see if we've got the audio right this time. Oh God.